serve an awesome God, don't we? Glad everybody could be here uh, with us this morning. And um, some of you know we've also got a service that's taking place in town. Jeff is there preaching, and it's a great gathering of so many people reaching out to their friends and work associates there in that part of town. And I think you've already experienced that uh, it's been awesome being here because we serve an awesome God and we see him work in awesome ways in people's lives. Uh, for Scott, uh, bro, you're an inspiration to us. For me personally, I have two shrines in my life. One is in California that's a shrine to Kelly and I's sort of comeback, well, more than sort of a comeback, massive comeback in our relationship. And then the other is over uh, right off of uh, Roswell Road near Johnson Ferry, near Merchant's Walk, where that accident occurred, and I go back there every year at the scene of that, uh, well, that scene of that miracle in many ways, and I go back every year and I pray about that, and it's a shrine also of what God can do in overcoming adversity, and also when all of us work together and we pray and we serve and we continue to grow. Uh, John and Lois, congratulations, 50 years, that's terrific, wow. Kelly and I are hitting 42 in a few months, and so indulge me at the very end. I'm going to make a comment about that. Uh, you know, the vows that we take when we become Christians is to be all in, right? To be all in. In fact, I think we'll have a scripture up here that I'm actually just using that John and Lois talked about. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. What can be more all in than that? I remember when I was studying the Bible, and somebody opened this passage, and they said... Tom, when was the last time you loved anything or were that devoted to anything like that? And it was a really easy answer for me. I said, I've never been that committed to, even halfway that committed to anything. And then understanding, that's what a real disciple and a Christian is all about. Being all in. That's what a marriage is about, all in. It's what the kingdom of God and, and Jesus' church is all about, being all in. And we make that commitment for better and for worse, correct? for richer, for poorer, correct? In sickness and in health. Now a lot of us know that John and Lois have a very beautiful, <clears throat> very beautiful open relationship. John is very strong uh, physically and spiritually, but recently he's gone through some health challenges that we know about and we've been praying about. And he's been reflecting over his life uh, these last 50 years with Lois. And recently we heard about a conversation that he had with Lois as he motioned his dear bride to come closer. She sat by him, and uh, he whispered, his eyes full of tears, you know what, sweetheart, you've been with me through all our bad times. When I lost my job, you were there to support me. When my business failed, you were there. When we lost the house, you stayed right here. When our dog died, you're by my side. And then through my recent very scary health challenges, you're still by my side you know what? What, dear, Lois said as she leaned in, smiling as her heart began to be filled with warmth. I think you're bad luck. <laughs> John's had some good and bad luck in his life, but becoming a disciple and getting married to Lois was absolutely the grace of God and wonderful thing. So, amen. We love you guys, okay? Hey, but let's face it. You stay married, you stay a Christian, you stay alive, you're going to have some good and bad in your life. 
And it's a matter of who's walking with you side by side and inside of you. Is it God and is it his people and your family to really support you? Our marriages are always under construction, right? Our spiritual lives, aren't they always under construction? Absolutely. And our church, it seems like it's always under construction. Especially this summer, you know, and you've been able to tell, you know, this morning from everything from the lights to the sound to the limited music that we're able to play. I can't really wander around like I normally can. We don't have that kind of microphone capability. I'm actually afraid of falling through this temporary stage because I like to stay in one piece. But all of this has a purpose and a reason behind it, and we're doing this so we can continue to grow together as a church family and continue to grow to have an impact on our community. Everything we're doing in this space is so we can get more people here, more people can see, more people can hear, more flexibility in using this place. And then as many of you know, we have a 50-year-old building up the hill that is in very, very disrepair. It's not safe. And that we've been having meetings and we'll continue to have some even this Wednesday about, okay, what what is the future? What do we want to, to do? And how is our approach with this church campus that God has given us? But this all flows from a basic why in our life not just the what and the how but why why in the world do we do what we do first and foremost it's responding to the greatest commandment and the greatest sacrifice that we honored in communion and that is that God gave his all to us and so we make it a best efforts in our life it becomes the focus and the North Star of our life to love him back but how with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength. It, it echoes that passage in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 and then in verse 23. Whatever you, you do, do it with all of your heart, serving the Lord and not men. You know, that's the spirit. That is the heart. It actually uh, began when we were thinking about becoming a disciple. The Bible tells us to go make disciples and to baptize them and teach them to continue to obey, to live up to that commitment. And as, you, as we know in Luke 14, you can certainly turn there and follow along. I've encapsulated a few verses there where Jesus said, if anybody's going to come after me, he's got to love me so much that it's as if he's disregarding or hating even his own physical family. We know Jesus said never to hate anybody, even pray and love your enemies. He's talking about in the sense of way loving less. And he also says if you don't do that you can't be his disciple if you don't take up your cross not just worship and be thankful for the one he got on but be willing to take our cross do some suffering for him and for the people around us and if we're not willing to do that well we can go to church but we can't be his disciple and furthermore unless we make that decision and you all remember when you did it most of you some of you are yet to make that decision when you were baptized into Christ and where it says your old life died and you were raised to a new life you also made a decision to give up everything and if you didn't do it you may be a Christian by 21st century terms and how it's viewed in the Bible Belt but according to Jesus you can't be his disciple that's good to get it really straight and clear isn't it because we make that decision initially or we work toward it or we renew it every day and that's part of being a disciple and a follower of Jesus we remember and again I'm gonna go fast today because we are committed to 75 minute services and when you get up here at the end you got a clock right up there it's gonna tell me when to stop and they're gonna open the trap door and I disappear okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep 
working through this and we're going to be it's going to be tight and compact and I'm going to expect you write the scriptures down and read your Bible how about that open it up tonight and in the morning and pray over it and reflect on it because most of the heavy lifting is not done in 20 25 minutes here right amen got it thank you all right in Revelation chapter 2 though Jesus is, is working with a church. He's working with a group of churches, and it's been about 40 years or so since they became Christians, all right? And then we've got actually a fairly good number of us who are in that basic age group. We've been around that long in God's church and in God's kingdom. And he, he reflects because at that time, he talks about seven different churches, and they're in seven basically sort of different spiritual states. There's no reason to believe that 2,000 years later, it's going to be any different. You're going to have churches struggling and individuals with this, that, and the other. And one of the primary things that Jesus is telling his church, I know who you are. I know your deeds. I know your endurance. You've hung in there, yeah, for better or for worse. I know you don't put up with false doctrine. There was a lot back then. There's a lot still today. But I do have one problem with you, church. I got one major problem with you. You have lost your first what? Love. You need to remember that. You got to go back there, and though it may be expressed a little bit differently 40 years later or 25 years later or dragging three kids around the parking lot, you still love God with all your heart. You're still committed, better for worse, richer for poor, sickness and in health. And so this should be a major goal for you and for me in my life to pray, God, please help me to always have my first love for you. You can say it right now where you're seated. God, I've got it. Thank you. God, I need it. Help me. God, I'm not sure. Help me find a scripture or somebody who can help me because I want to love you the way you love me. We got that? And Jesus said a parable of the soils. Four different basic responses to Christianity. Was it the, that way back then? It's that way now. It will never change. There are four different responses. One, you don't pay any attention and Satan just snatches it away. The other response is an emotional one. You go on for a while and then you go back to like, like you used to be. Many of us have experienced that even in this room. There's a third soil where you start off great, you're really growing, but the problem is weeds come into your life or that fruit, and their distractions and their worries are the, the pleasures of this life. And Jesus said they choke out the life so you don't grow anymore. And if you've ever had a yard or a garden and you see weeds take over, they can take over and choke the life out of everything. It will never be any different. Those will be the challenges. And then there's the fourth soil that we strive to be in day to day, week to week, and year to year as an individual and as a church. Amen? That's what we're praying for. Now, for most of us here, as we're getting ready to launch into a fall now, and uh, we're trying to get our, our, uh, you know, our schedule together. The students are coming back into school or have already started school, and work is starting to crank up again. You're starting to get into some sort of rhythm, you know, um, you know after the summer you know, kind of months. For most of us, the challenge of being all in is not, am I going to show up to church next Sunday? 90% of you have already answered that, you know, long time ago, and you'll be here, whatever's going on. You know, read your newsletter, and believe me, it'll help, so you know what time to show up, okay, and where to be. 
the question for you is not, am I going to stay married? You decided that a long time ago. The question to being all in for you is, is not even, am, uh, am I going to blatantly sin this week? We made that decision. But I think the decision for all of us, am I going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength this week? Would you agree? I think that's where we all, that's just where we all are. And pretty much everything we're trying to do together as a church, in our small groups, in our assemblies, is to continue to grow and to glorify God. That's what our goal is. That's what we're working on. And it, uh, it, it's, it's just a reflection. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles in Colossians chapter 1, and I'll give you something to really meditate on and really focus on in addition to these three scriptures. In Colossians chapter 1, again, Paul is writing to the church, and his, his, his encouragement and his admonishment is guys you gotta keep growing and he says I've been praying for you Kelly and I flew back from California yesterday we got to spend three or four days with our grandkids and uh, it's a great time for me because I always get to pray through big chunks of the church and uh, you know in that four-hour flight I got to pray through all of edge so edgers man you're covered okay at least from you know one point of view one guy's point of view you know it was great praying for you for a lot of different things and the big blanket thing was that you guys can love God with all your heart soul mind and strength and continue to grow but for all of us that's the the the, the focus look in verse 9 for this reason since the day I heard about this we we haven't stopped praying for you and what are we asking we're asking that you can be filled with knowledge and uh, of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding and that you may walk worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God that's the vision of God and the scriptures for us that we keep growing and we bear fruit in every way John 15 8 by this my father is glorified Jesus said that you do what bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples you're continuing to grow Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul says, as he's helping teach them to obey, he says, I admonish you, and as I proclaim Christ, and I teach you and admonish you in all wisdom so I can present each one of you mature in Christ. You know, that's the goal. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, a lot of you know this passage in verse 19. And there Paul says, I have become all things to all men that by all means I may save some to win as many as possible. That was his focus. That was the church's, to continue to grow in wisdom, in knowledge, in a walk with God, in your character, in being able to reach as many people as possible. That's what it means to be all in. In Jesus' church, we're committed to grow. And it's how we organize our marriages. It's how we try to organize our personal life. Our free time is how we try to organize things as a church and we pray about it and we work together as small group leaders and as elders and deacons and evangelists all of us working together and that really is the only reason why we're going through the trouble and the time and some expense to try to be able to serve and minister to more people that's it so more people from, community, from the community can, can know that we're here. 
more people can participate in yes more people can be baptized into Christ more little kids come to VBS more people be able to be served more single moms to be helped more students to be baptized more youth and family beautiful families growing more missions to, to be on more more of more of all of this that God has put in front of us not for the sake of more but for the sake of the glory of God that's what it's about now I just want to make some some comments here in a way that is um, um, you know that a way that relates to um, what what we're doing now presently okay uh, we've talked about before how what we are as a church is an aircraft carrier all right and what it means by that we the church is a family and in one sense it's an army and it's a body and it's a building and it's a temple all of those kind of metaphors but we also in, uh, in, in, in certain churches, the church in Antioch and Jerusalem were like this. We hope North River can be and will continue to be an aircraft carrier where people can leave. And This summer we had over 200 people that went on mission trips, okay, outside the United States, in the southeast, all over. And we want to continue to do that more and more. And so we have these planes that take off and they go for a season or sometimes they go for a lifetime. But they can always have a place to come back. I, I, was, uh, I, I was curious about this, and John Haynes helped me with this. An aircraft carrier, anybody know, know how many planes there are on an aircraft carrier? Yes, 85. Very good. You've been uh, checking your Wikipedia. About 85 planes, a few helicopters. And how many pilots? About 120. All right, that's good. Okay, we got the top guns there. They're taking off. They're coming back. Okay, anybody know how many other people are on that aircraft carrier supporting it? 5,000. Over 5,000. 6,000. They're big. A Nimitz aircraft carrier not only uh, you know, handles that, but they have a couple of destroyers that go along with them, sometimes in wartime, submarines and also tactical ships. And, you know, I mean, it, it's a big deal. When these planes go off, there's a lot going on underneath the surface. And that is what a, a, a genuine mission church you know, is really, you know, is really all about. And so when we talk about doing things like trying to, you know, help renovate some of our buildings and be able to get more people seated, and Wednesday night we're going to be talking more about this. It's pretty exciting about some of the things we can't presently do that we're going to be able to do. But to be able to understand, it is simply a tool, like a car. My kids live in a very expensive part of California. Like everybody else over there, they live they're crazy. We lived there for 20 years so we can understand that. They know their cars. They love their cars. I think this is a Ferrari. Around here, we are not building a Ferrari. That is not what this building or that building's, you know, going to be. It's not even a Mercedes SUV. We do need a minivan. We do, you know, and let's not pick the ugliest one on the lot. And one that's functional, and you can get the whole family in it. That's it. That's, that's all this really is, you know, in what, uh, you know, in what we were doing. And then I think that, uh, you know, I think it's very helpful to be able to, uh, you know, consider, you know, all of us. And I really appreciate this. This is not my thing. It's not my expertise. But we've had a lot of those of you that are very 
uh, uh, you know, adroit in these kind of things in business and in finance and in construction and engineers. And it's been almost two years that people have been looking into this in many meetings and many, much prayer and much, much difficult questions, you know, that have been asked. And some of the consultants and some of the people suggested a Ferrari go buy Whitewater. Only about 40 million and put up a nice big building and there you go. That's a Ferrari. Eh, not happening. Others suggested the Mercedes. Well, there's a piece of property, 40, acre, 40 acres, you know, just down the, down the way. Go there, we could build a bigger space and be able to get everybody in one service, have a little bit more room and a playground and whatever, and that's a $10 million proposition. Well, the, the spiritual brothers and sisters here decided to go with the minivan which is basically renovating the auditorium so we can get more seats and you can hear and you can see and, and then be able to help the team building become a community center where hundreds of people can be there and being served all during the week. That's, uh, you know, that's where things are at. That's the, that, that's the how, but it comes down to the why. We'll talk more about this on Wednesday, but I just felt like I needed to, to consider that because it's something that has really, you know, that, that I think about with my life and where my investment is going to be. The lighthouse, you know, the lighthouse is a symbol, but it's also a rescue station, and one of the beautiful things about what's going to happen is we're going to be more visible to our community. You know, it's a symbol. It's a place of safety. It's a place of direction. It's a place of hope. And it's also a home. You guys ever go back to your old childhood home? I remember going back there to Jacksonville, Florida when I was 40 years old with a house where, you know, I grew up and knocked on the door and, you know, see what it was like. Yard was definitely smaller, right? You know how that goes. My son just came back from Colorado where he was born, and he went by, back and looked at our old house, you know, where he was born. It, 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 it was important, even though we certainly don't own it, that, that was, uh, he, he wanted to, uh, to see it. Many of you know uh, that situation. For so many years, you know, there was no place to come home to if you left this church. And you didn't know whether you're going to a hotel or to a synagogue or to a clubhouse. It was just no way to really be able to tell. That was in the old. You know, God has blessed us with a home, you know, right now. So the casual attender can come back in three or four years and know where we are and find us. Or they can come back in ten years. Or the one who's taken baby steps toward God or to come back, or the prodigal coming home, 15 years from now, will be able to come home. And that we plan to be here for decade after decade after decade by God's grace because we are all in. I thought about this because just, uh, just a few weeks ago, Kelly and I went back to the place where we became Christians, you know, well over 40 years ago. We went back and... Um, uh, it, it was actually the place where we got married. And I reflected back on it even back a, a few years. I reflected back uh, a, a few years earlier, even from when we got married, I was, uh, and, and to, a, to a time that I relate to right now. I've been a Christian for about two, uh, for about two years. And, uh, and our church had exploded down in, in, in Gainesville from about 100 people to about 350 people. Half of them were campus students. And uh, there was just no way to where to put people. And so there was kind of a faithful goal. Hey, listen, we'll get this little piece of property as close to campus, and 
we'll build this building and, 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 and you know, we'll be able to grow. And, and, and sure enough, at that time, it grew, you know, to, to over a thousand people and hundreds of people becoming Christians. I mean, it was, it was, it was an amazing thing. It was a very ambitious undertaking for that tiny little church. Uh, this was when uh, when Kelly and I were dating. Okay, so this should be our uh, well. That's a minivan. Yeah. If we can go forward, I think I think our next slide. If we can get that going. Okay. Maybe the battery died here. Oh, come back. There I am. Okay, that's Kelly and I. Okay, we're so we're dating. You know, we're dating right now. And um, here, here's what's going on. The um, our, our our church. We got to find a way to build it. My, my mom had become a Christian about nine months earlier, about a year earlier, but she was fighting a very, uh, very uh, persistent cancer, and she died about six months after she became, you know, a disciple. Um, and there was an insurance policy, and so uh, my brother and I received $20,000. I was 20 years old, my mom 45 when she died. And... Um, with that, uh, with that $20,000, I bought a friend a Japanese sports car. I bought myself a Camaro that I've shared about before. I wanted a little upgrade. And, interesting enough, I bought $3,000 of church bonds. Because that's how they were kind of supporting, you know, you know, this building. So I spent $3,000, you, know, uh, you know, on that. It was, uh, you know, it was very interesting. You know, thing for me. And then we were out helping build that building, and um, at that time, Kelly uh, helped one of her sorority sisters, uh, Gail Bogle or Gail Kirby, become a Christian. And Gail married Tom Bogle, that uh, of course many of us, you know, know here. And Tom's parents, Frank and Linda, were there, and they were like mom and dad to that that that, that whole big church. And he'd get he'd get the college students out and give us assignments to plant these little bushes and trees, you know, and you could go back and see them, you know, to uh, you know to this day. It was, uh, it was a very powerful, meaningful, you know, time for me. When Kelly and I went back to Gainesville three weeks ago, we went back to attend Linda Bogle's funeral because she had died, well, 46 years later. That's the first time that Kelly and I had been back in that building for over 40 years. But um, it made me consider a couple of things. You know, I didn't realize at the time that my little... $3,000 investment as a campus student was what, what, what it was going to do not only for my immediate future but for decades, for so many people for decades to come. When I review that $20,000, that Japanese sports car is long gone. They don't even make the model or the brand anymore. Unfortunately, my Camaro is long gone too. But that $3,000 church bond, I have no clue where it is. My grandkids will probably discover it, you know, sometime 20 years from now, and, you know, maybe it'll be worth a gazillion dollars. I don't know how all that works. But I will tell you that as I reflect back on that, I think probably it was the best investment I ever made in my entire life. Because 45 years later, it is still giving, it is still serving, it is still, you know, making an impact on people's lives. That really is what I want my life to be. It's what I want it to count for, and it's not about, you know, external things. It's about the mission. It's about loving God. It's about where we invest our life, where, where we invest this week, where we put our hearts, 
you know, what, what the, how we unite together and to serve in, uh, you know, in, in, in growing and growing ways. It does come down to, to this. If you could advance it, you know, to, uh, to the next slide back in Mark 12. It, uh, it all comes back to Mark 12. Hopefully that, that scripture will arrive, you know, in a few minutes. And that's the, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. To understand the why behind all this is all to, for God's glory. It's all to grow personally, as in a marriage, in our family, in, you know, in our church home, all for the glory of God. And so like as we end this sermon and as we get up to, uh, to sing Our God, He is Alive in just a moment, yeah, the question is, are we all in? Are we all in to the glory of God? Let's all stand and sing, Our God, He is Alive.